Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. Because if you're only using 10% of your brain, you don't even know that you're using 10% of your brain. I think I lost some of my brain power listening to Michael Beasley. I, I don't know. Michael Beasley, he's winning me over. <laughs> Got me using 10% of my brain to rethink the Knicks prospects for this season. I'm serious. What's good? Welcome to the best 60 minutes of your day. Excuse me. 90 minutes of your Tuesday. That's right. We're giving you 50% more of the six, taking you up to 7.30 tonight. Just what you needed, right? The Sixers need Joel Embiid to stay on the court. We'll check in with him a little after 7. Also, Bryce Harper back in the Nationals lineup tonight after missing 42 games. And the latest on the Packers' injuries heading into Thursday night's game against the Bears. That's all later. Here's a look at our top stories, starting with LeBron and D-Wade looking to make it to the top for a third time, you know. That's right. Some of the banana boat is back. Uh, Woj says D-Wade plans on signing with the Cavs once he clears waivers on Wednesday. He's eligible for $2.3 million, part of the veterans minimum for this year. Terms which sources say he's agreed to. Uh, now, let's just cut to the chase of it. How much better does adding D-Wade make the Cavs? Now close enough to close the gap with Golden State. Yes, because the gap wasn't that large. And I said this during the finals, and I believe Richard Jefferson echoed it in the offseason, that it was closer than the gentleman's sweep would suggest it was. Because you're talking about a game three that they let get away at home. Mm-hmm. And who knows what happens in game four if they win that one. But they win game four and obviously go out in five. So they lose Kyrie Irving. And people looked at me like, well, I was crazy. Like I was crazy, which is nothing new. Looked at me like I was crazy when I suggested that they're better last year, this year, than they were last year. They got a lot of guys. They got a lot of firepower. And actually younger Younger guys. guys. Look, they're probably <laughs> against Golden State. And I'm giving them the East, with all due respect to Boston. I'm giving them the East because of LeBron and, and the Celtics have a lot of uh, chemistry to work out with so many new players. When LeBron James was off the court in the finals, they got outscored by 27 points with an offensive efficiency of 75 and a net efficiency of minus 37.4. They're really, really deep. I'm not going to go down the whole roster, do it for yourself, but they're really, really deep. So they got enough firepower to me to keep up with Golden State. Maybe not stop Golden State, who's also probably better going into this year, but enough to keep up, especially when LeBron goes to the bench, even with 35-year-old I think that's a significant part about this. I mean, obviously Golden State, with the the advantages they had with their bench, some of the firepower – it looked like at times when, as you said, when LeBron was off the they were outnumbered. court, they were completely outnumbered uh, and, and outmanned in, in many respects. I like the move from not just a professional standpoint, but just bringing someone else there who understands how to play with LeBron, who under, who gets how his mind works, mm-hmm. and who has that championship mentality and has won before. That, right. that experience is invaluable, especially when you have a player like D. Rose. He hasn't quite been there yet, and other guys. So I think that this just paid, this move to me always made the most sense. If everybody if everybody buys in, I mean, you bring in D. Rose probably off the bench with Calderon, with Shumpert. What's Crowder's role, Corver back, Channing Frye. They got a lot of guys that have been there and done that. And now you're talking about adding IT maybe in January. So if Isaiah Thomas is healthy, you got Isaiah Thomas, Wade, LeBron, more out of Kevin Love than you've been getting. 
Tristan Thompson, I like that team a lot more than I did last year, even though obviously Kyrie Irving is a guy you love to have. I I like this team because of the depth. I just don't know if they've closed the gap because where I do worry about this team is definitely defensively. No doubt. That's why I said, you notice I didn't say stop go to school. I said keep up with them a little bit better. If you can't stop them, then I'm not not sure how much ground you actually gain. All right, so D-Wade not going back to Miami. Uh, Meanwhile, Dolphins linebacker Lawrence Timmons back with the Dolphins, reinstated today and expected to play Sunday versus the Saints. Timmons, of course, was suspended indefinitely by the team last week after he went AWOL the previous weekend. According to the collective bargaining agreement, Miami could have suspended him for a maximum of four games. All's well that ends well? Um, I don't know yet. I mean, we still, there's still a lot of information we don't know about this, what happened here, right? But, I mean, I'm glad that he's back, but at the same time. You know time, I was uncomfortable at first. I know, but there had to be something. Not knowing all the information yeah, anyway, we'll let that go. Speaking of information, we know a lot of information here. The U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York announced corruption and fraud charges against 10 people, including four NCAA assistant basketball coaches. The assistants named in the indictment represent some of the biggest programs in college basketball. Arizona's Emmanuel Richardson, USC's Tony Bland. Auburn's Chuck Person and Oklahoma State's Lamont Evans. The authorities classified the far-reaching three-year probe as an ongoing investigation. Very key and of particular interest is that the FBI complaint included payments totaling $100,000 to an unnamed recruit by an unnamed school. Now, ESPN reported the unnamed school was Louisville, and the school has since confirmed that in an official statement. So we'll get to a broader conversation about college basketball with Seth Greenberg uh, shortly. But for now, what does this mean for Louisville? Because clearly they already were on probation, and we know about the particular history that Rick Pitino has there. Yeah. I just don't understand. How many scandals can he survive? How, how many, can how, he how many survive? times can and for he that play that? The athletic director too. Right. How many times can he play the "I didn't know what happened" under my watch card mm-hmm. and get away with it? I mean, you already got guys like Pat Forty at Yahoo calling for Louisville to get the death penalty. But I, I got to be honest with you. This, just looking at the totality of this whole report, I saw a lot of surprise and shock. I'm like, so wait, corruption? And bribery and it college basketball. I'm, I'm like, and done movies about I, it. I thought this was a Tuesday. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? This is, this is the essential. This is the the definition or the equivalent of us announcing water is wet. Yeah, and and so when I when I heard about it, I was just like, okay, they've been investigating this since 2015. The FBI. I'm surprised this is all they came up with at this point because you got so much money being made in this industry. Not enough of it. Not much of it going to the players. Somebody's going to be making that money. So this is just something that, you know, the cynic in me assumed is always going on. These guys just got caught. So it really comes down to who has plausible deniability, what's their paper trail looks like. And, you know, as Alonzo said in training day, it doesn't matter what you know. It matters what you can prove. Well, when you, it's an ongoing investigation. So a lot of people are going to take a fall for well, this. Well, it's a different. I think it's an entirely different animal when you're dealing with with the FBI. Okay, they have wiretaps. They have a lot of things at their resources. Would the FBI director say, we got your playbook? You yeah, might want to call us before we call you? And it's true. It's yeah. like usually when the fans come to you, they already know. And so when you look at the mountain of evidence, uh, that's why a lot of people suspect this could be some real turning point in college basketball. Not sure about that part. Or the fact that a lot of programs right now are just shaking, wondering, when is my phone going to ring? But look, we all knew that there was an underbelly and underground level of compensation happening in college basketball. Everybody knew it. The problem is that the NCAA was never in a position to totally prove it. And there was always some way where coaches could kind of distance themselves from it. But when you have people on tape talking about payments they're making, I hope everybody puts on their common sense hat. And I know that's hard sometimes for a lot of people. These assistants aren't just going rogue. They're right. not just doing it just to do it. Well, if they they're doing it, it on, on, on the behalf of someone. Of somebody. Well, there's more where that came from. 
If you offer in a hundred, hundred fifty thousand dollars, that's mm. the drop in the bucket compared to whatever pot of money you take totally. it from. Yeah. So this is not something that they're doing out of the goodness of their heart for, no. to help out the players. They're all trying to make money when it comes to it. And, and then just listen, listen to everybody say and talking about officials. We're shocked. We're surprised. Everybody's surprised. Everybody's How? shocked. Everybody had no idea this was going on. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. but this is also one another. Uh, of a long line of glowing examples about the hypocrisy of calling the NCAA or calling big-time revenue sports, at the very least, amateur sports. It's a billion-dollar business. It was never created to be that. And because of that, the people who break the rules will always be ahead of others, all right? Because this is just the way business is done in college basketball. CD, they wrote about that in the 1920s. Yeah. Okay, goes back a little ways. So the Cowboys pretty much, they ran a play in place of a protest prior to Monday night's game at Arizona. One, two, three, kneel. The team then stood, arms interlocked for the anthem, and yet the demonstration was still met with boos. Jerry Jones said afterward he was proud that his players stood for the Star Spangled Banner and hid behind vague, soft, safe words such as unity and equality. The president typed more words on Twitter this morning. Jones offered more earlier today. I was so proud of our team that just the team's uh, really recognition and understanding that we could do it this way and really remove the overhang of the criticism and the position about the flag, which I agree with as well. We should honor the flag, and and that's almost tried to even say it. Well, we were able to do both. It's real obvious to me that it's being based upon uh, teams assessing uh, uh, what he can bring to the team as a player. Performance is, in my mind, is the complete criteria for getting on the squad at this time of the year for sure all right what you think about that display last night <laughs> uh it was confusing uh, on some regard and i'm glad i'm not i don't think the players deserve to be booed so i hope people understand what i'm about to say i don't think they deserve to be glued to be booed but i'm glad they were Only so people can understand further that this has never been about the anthem. This has never been about the flag. And I know people have been trying to use the ceremony of what happens before games, which, by the way, didn't start happening in the NFL until 2009 anyway. Uh, I hope people understand that regardless of if this is uh, kneeling before the anthem, during, uh, hand over heart, not over heart, locking arms, whatever, people don't want to hear what this protest is about. They just don't. And all that booing, I don't know if the fans understood that this wasn't actually happening during the anthem, but I don't think they really care. People don't want to see this protest. And the reasons they don't is because the, the genesis of why it even started, they don't want to acknowledge, deal with, be made, unco- be made uncomfortable. Jerry Jones, to me, I honestly wish he just would have done nothing. You, he, he wanted his players to stand. He just should have gone with that. For all intents and purposes, he did nothing. Okay, frankly, this was keeping up with the Joneses. Okay, this was everybody else is doing something. Our league is united against the president. We have to do something. But to me, what this was... The same president he gave money to. Well, that's, just, why, that's why nothing just, more could have been expected. It was right. only so far he Which was going to go. I wish he would have done given nothing. His just keep it real. That's what, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> he didn't do it for the right reasons because the statement they tried to make about equality and unity... He said more in what he didn't say after the game, which is this was our version to protest oppression of people of color, injustice and racial inequality, not unity and equality. 
You're all equals on the football field, okay? You're all united as teammates. That's not as symbolic as you think. Now, Aaron Rodgers has an idea about trying to get the fans to do it, which is interesting. We'll get to that maybe later on. But there's nothing symbolic about the unity of a bunch of football players who wear the same uniform, who come together every day anyway, locking arms before the anthem. So for me, this was, this was Jerry Jones's, this is as far as somebody is willing to go who had drawn his line in the sand with the anthem. And, and, and my issue is this was so much of a production. Uh, it, it, was so, it was so polite. It was so, it was so watered down until it, it's just, it's just it's pointless now, you know, because it's, it's no longer personal. Now it's, you know, you got, you got a bunch of people kneeling, and I just want them to answer, you know, what's your why? Like, why are you kneeling? Because to your point about it being about racial injustice, the, this, this whole thing was, hey, let's, let's br- bring awareness to the, the racial inequality in this country. You think people aren't aware? Okay, but people are so busy reading Facebook as opposed to actual books, they're in denial of what's actually going on. So the people there, I, I would love to see some testimonials or hear some testimonials from people like, you know, that, that, are, that, are, that are watching Bill Russell and others take a knee and wondering if it's changing their hearts and minds. I would like to know if people are actually understanding what it's really about or just are being willfully ignorant when it comes to what it's really about. I think there's definitely a lot of willful ignorance. And I just think that depending on your position and your perspective, you can afford to just not care. And it's amazing to me how in this country, historically and present day, how much things change and remain the same at the, at, at, at the same time. That is why I made sure yesterday when we discussed all the massive protests over the weekend that I read the Gallup polls from how people felt about the protests during one of the most tumultuous times in our history, the civil rights movement. We can all agree now. And it seems so crazy that people who were fighting for just basic civil rights, the majority of the country wasn't for the demonstrations. Nothing has changed. They don't want to hear about equality. They don't want to hear the names of Tamir Rice, Sandra Bland. They don't want to hear any of the reasons why Colin Kaepernick originally knelt. I just wonder where it's going to go from here, because everybody was emotional and everybody's on a defensive this week after they were attacked as a league. Um, you got people like Rashard Matthews on NFL Live earlier. He was saying, I'm not, I'm going to kneel until the president apologizes. Well, that means you're going to be kneeling for an awfully long time because that's not happening. And that's what it took? No, well, not just, <laughs> not just that, but you got, so Colin Kaepernick, when he originally did this, remember, he didn't say, hey, guys, come here, I want to tell you something. Mm-hmm. He didn't do that. Steve Weiss of NFL Media, I believe it was, asked, asked him yeah. why you were, he was seated. So this was not some grand plan to start a conversation. Colin Kaepernick and before him, Jackie Robinson had decided what that anthem and what that flag meant to them as people of color and did something that was personal. And what they're doing is making it impersonal. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw people doing it in the, in the club or a music video soon. That, mm-hmm. That's how watered down the act of kneeling is actually becoming. Because I say, I said it a million times and I'll say it again. All the confusion stems from the fact that patriotism and posture are mutually exclusive. A lot of those people standing for the anthem with their, their, their hearts covered or saluting or with their hats off, they're way less patriotic than the people that they're vilifying for taking it in. And the last thing I'll say on this, because we're coming back to it later, is if it felt good to Jerry Jones, then it was probably bad. And if it felt right to Donald Trump, then you probably did it wrong. 
If, that, if, that, if that's who's agreeing with what you did last night, that should tell you that that's not what this protest is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be uncomfortable. It's supposed to be inconvenient. As they all are. Exactly. I've never heard of a protest that made anybody happy. Everybody They, they made happy. it way too warm and fuzzy. All right, now on to the game. The Cowboys still managed a gutsy 28-17 win over the Cardinals. The Cowboys overcame a sluggish first half that included 57 yards of offense, scoring 21 points in the second half. The Dak Zeke show Kind of finally came through with Elliott pounding out 80 yards on 22 carries and Dak finishing with 183 yards on 13 of 18 passes. Pretty good uh, with the deep throw as well. All good in Dallas now. Arizona's offensive line is bad. Mm-hmm. Demarcus Lawrence made the Pro Bowl last night. Right. You know, Three sacks, I think. He, he was amazing. This standard rush got to Carson Palmer so much. And the stars, you know, for Arizona besides Larry Fitzgerald, I mean, you're talking about their secondary, their defense, the, the plays that they gave up, that, it, it just was inexcusable given you're, you're without David Johnson, your offensive line is, is not playing well. You would think that those guys would step up and not allow the likes of Bryce Butler to beat them deep the, the way that he did or Des Bryant to score while surrounded by five people. I mean, he's, he's, he's a really good player, but come on now. It's like you can't let the Cowboys get extra plays against you when you, your margin for error is already so slim. So for me, it was more about Arizona's shortcomings. That said, look, they got a damn good young quarterback. Mm-hmm. To heck with all that, you know, sophomore slump talk. That running back's really good when he gets rolling, okay? The wide receiver, Des Bryant, we'll talk more about him later, still a stud. And he showed it. He didn't get the ball a lot, still a stud. We didn't even see much from Jason Witten last night. And their defense is always going to hustle. So Dallas is going to be in the conversation. But last night, I just saw them going up against a team that just does not have its act together. Well, I said this after they got whooped by Denver. And, and the reason why I still felt optimistic about the Cowboys is because everybody can't do what Denver did. Right. The majority of teams, I think, in this league are a lot closer to Arizona than Denver. And so with that being said, and that's not to you know, diminish the victory that they had last night, but it is to say that I do think that there are still most teams. Ezekiel's going to get his. Dak is going to be incredible from play action, as he was last night. And the defense will get just enough of a lead from the offense or just enough of a spark from them to be able to control things on their side of the ball. So I hear you, like Arizona's shortcomings play right into their hands. And that's true. But I still think Dallas is a good enough team. The question remains, I think, with them is how good are they? Are they in Atlanta's class? And we'll talk about them later as well. Are they the class of their division? Like how good is good for them? And what is sort of an acceptable standard related to the other good teams in the NFL? But they did what they were supposed to do. Yeah. Uh, being on the road, it, you can never negate what that means to win on the road in the NFL. Absolutely. All right. Uh, now, uh, on to the Giants. Uh, after his urinating dog celebration against the Eagles on Sunday, which resulted in an unsportsmanlike conduct flag, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. seemed pretty unapologetic about his actions. Now, his quarterback, Eli Manning, also seemed to downplay it today during Giants' availability. But owner John Mara didn't take Odell's actions so lightly. In an email, Mara said, I am very unhappy with Odell's behavior on Sunday, and we intend to deal with it internally. That's what he told Mike McCarl of the Post. Was Mara's response too harsh? I mean, look, he's, he's the team owner, so he can be as upset as he wants. But, I mean, it wasn't that big of a deal to me. And, and that's just as, a, as an observer, if it's about exhibiting class and, and representing the Giants, I mean, look, I, I think they got much bigger issues than Odell's celebrations. I mean, he, the fact that he's getting in the end zone to begin with, getting your challenged offense in the end zone to begin with, uh, suggests to me that you put up with those problems. I mean, it wasn't that long ago when Randy Moss mooned, mm-hmm. you know, the, the crowd at Lambeau Field or, or, or T.O. went to the star 
you know, in, in Dallas or, or pulled out a Sharpie. Now both of those guys belong in the Hall of Fame, obviously. It's something that, Larry Fitzgerald's aside, comes with the position. The Giants are in no position to ostracize, alienate, or when it comes to the contract, granted they got his fifth-year rookie option and two franchise tags at their disposal, they're not in position to not take the bad, and I, and I, you know, I say bad in quotes, bad with the good, the really good, when it comes to Odell Beckham. He's their best player. You talk to him. But the fact that he's getting in the end zone is what it's all about. But, he's, Whatever he does, but the then, problem is they've been talking to him, and there's nothing more frustrating than telling somebody over and over again that we need you to act more professional, and they keep being unprofessional. I'm not saying it was great what he did. I'm just saying no, it's not the you, end of the world. I don't world. think you can look at it as one incident, and you seem to be looking at it as one incident when leading into this season, it was made clear to him. Well, even with the net, and I know he turned that into something funny, but just his behavior overall, they have talked to him. Jerry Reese said, we've had punch in the wall. They've had conversations with him about, we need you to act more professional. I guess and I don't if you think add it, a whole bunch of molehills together, you can get a mountain, it's, it's, I But guess. it's the same thing. It's not like it's... It comes with the territory. It comes with the package. Once again, I don't think they're asking too much to ask him to be more professional. They're not. They're clearly in the NFL, uh, they've been able to, you know to be a little more liberal with these celebrations. So, yes, you knew some guys w- were going to clown. But the one person who couldn't and shouldn't be doing that is him. And, look, you said it was a position problem. No, it's an Odell Beckham Jr. problem. And I don't think it's all that crazy to suggest, hey, maybe you need to chill out. I'm not, I'm not saying he couldn't have done better. I'm not saying he couldn't have just celebrated in a, in a more, quote-unquote, tasteful way. But it's not like I'm sitting up there saying, oh, my God. Odell Beckham, he's just, this, this guy. They can't pay this guy. No, they can't, I mean, they can't trust that him. Serious, but they it, were just begging it, for him to get back on the field from a six to eight week injury you, when he got back in four and they couldn't, it's not they, they couldn't move the ball without him. It's not serious enough for him to not warrant the contract that he has earned. What I'm saying is I understand why Merrill responded that way and responded I'm sure he got harshly. a lot of complaints about it. I'm sure he got a lot of complaints. No, I'm sure this. he just looked at it and he knew, might have. <laughs> and knew and what was and that's, up. And that's fair. I'm saying keeping in perspective is all I'm saying. Yes. Yeah, the perspective is I keep telling you the same thing and you keep not doing better. Can he do better? Yes. So at what point does the we better seen worse? come? Yes. Judging by How everybody else. How much can else? we talk slowly to each other we on the way see. to break? We got questions. They've got answers. Starting with Rob Demofsky with the Packers. Rob, how healthy are the Packers heading into Thursday's game against Chicago? Well, it might be easier to list the guys who will play as opposed to the ones who won't. I kid, but it must be something about these Thursday night games against the Bears. Because last year, remember, they didn't have any running backs, so they took receiver Ty Montgomery and made him a running back. They're so thin on offensive tackles now, maybe they'll take defensive tackle Mike Daniels and put him on the offensive line. Oh, Oh, wait, never mind. He's hurt, too. They are in a world of hurt up front. Offensive tackle has been hit extremely hard. Their two starters, Brian Balaga and David Bakhtiari, are both on the injury report. Best case scenario is one of them plays. They've already got three tackles on injured reserve. They might get Randall Cobb back, their receiver who missed last week with a chest shoulder injury. He was out on the field today, and he was you could see him moving his arms around, trying to get loose. They didn't do very much in practice, though. Mike McCarthy said he cut out basically all the competitive periods because they're so banged up going into Thursday night against the Bears. All right, Rob, we appreciate it. All right, we now go to my Spartan dog, Ohm Young Masuk, uh, the new reporter for the Lakers. Congrats on that, Ohm. Uh, how much better, though, can Brandon Ingram be this year for the Lakers? 
Well, look, Jamel, all the attention, and rightfully so, has been surrounding Lonzo Ball and big baller brand, of course, right down to what Lonzo had for breakfast. He was asked this morning. Lonzo said he has waffles and uh, eggs sunny side up, by the way. But Brandon Ingram is loving all this, that the attention's all on Lonzo. Magic Johnson, though, believes that the attention will not be on Lonzo for long, that Brandon Ingram won't fly under the radar. He's going to have a breakout season, according to Magic. And Magic wants him to be the leading scorer for the Lakers after averaging nine points last year. Now, Brandon Ingram has a lot on his shoulders this season. Rob Palenka believes that he's already the team's vocal leader. And Luke Walton wants him to be an elite defender this year. And, by the way, Magic added on a little more pressure, saying he thinks Brandon Ingram can run the wing for Lonzo the way James Worthy did for Magic during the Showtime days. Whoa. That is good to know. Laker no pressure. fans get happy. Thank you. All right, Royce Young joins us with the Thunder. We saw Hoodie Mello yesterday at Media Day. What are the champions, chances that we see Olympic Mello this season for the Thunder, Royce? Well, Michael, since it's apparently against NBA rules to wear a hoodie in an actual NBA game, <laughs> what the Thunder are really hoping for here in OKC is Thunder Mello. They want him in a lot of ways to stay the same player, be the all-world scorer that he is, supplement Russell Westbrook and Paul George. But one thing that Melo is going to have to do, is, for the first time in his career, he's going to commit full-time to being a starting power forward. It's something Billy Donovan acknowledged today, even after Melo's Who Me comment yesterday about the thought of maybe coming off the bench. Billy Donovan confirmed today, after a little bit of joking, that Melo will indeed be the starter, but Billy Donovan said it. He's going to be starting at power forward, and that's a position, Michael, as a lot of people know. Melo pushed back on playing and actually being called that in New York, but he's embracing it here. It's something he said yesterday at Media Day, something he reiterated here today. He's willing to play that role, and that's something the Thunder want from him, a high catch-and-shoot guy to set up and, and be able to su supplement Russell Westbrook and Paul George in the Thunder offense. All right, good stuff out of Melo, good stuff out of you guys. Thank you, Royce. So one Thunder fan found a way to turn his Kevin Durant jersey into a Carmelo jersey. <laughs> I get it, though. I just buy one. I'll, I'll, we'll buy it for you. We'll buy it for Everybody you. Everybody doesn't have Michael Smith money. Some of them got to make do. Somebody give it, like, don't, get the Thunder to donate you one. Like, I'm gonna... <laughs> Can you get a knockoff? You, you could probably go get one made. So our man Michael Beasley continuing to make people think so to speak. He was on SNY.com's uh, or SNY's TV timeouts, a timeout podcast rather with Taylor Rooks. And he tried to explain to her how the human brain works. <laughs> we are only capable of using 10% of our brain, right? Yes. You believe that? No, it's, yeah, that's, yeah. Did you about to say it's true? I'm saying that's what people oh. say, that that is, that so, is the consensus so scientifically. So it's the consensus scientifically. So who was the guy that used 11 that made it okay to say everybody just using 10? That isn't the right logic. No, 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 because if you're only using 10% of your brain, you don't even know that you're using 10% of your brain. I'm the first person in the world, right? Say I'm Adam. And I wrote that we can only use 10% of our brains. That means I would have to surpass the number no, 10. No, okay, let me break this down for you. You can See, break it down. I'm saying You're I'm, wrong. A, I'm a doctor. I yes. am looking at a brain. No, let a me finish. A doctor, listen, let listen, listen. Finish. I get what you're saying. A doctor yes. has to learn something. And everything a doctor learns is man written. But it was a word that somebody else concocted. No, that's to, not what I'm saying. No, no, Your argument was that the person that said 10% used more. And I'm no, saying no, that no, is not no, the truth. You're still hung up on my example. We're still stuck on the N-word. I thought our argument 
went around in circles. That's just Tell the tribe. <laughs> and I don't know what was crazier, him saying that about the brain power uh, us humans use or don't use, or the fact that he said that the Knicks are a five seed. So you taking a leave in that? After that, I'm gonna have to take it. He might have convinced me. I'm starting to rethink with the 10 percent that I'm using. I'm starting it's to like rethink mind the control. Knicks. No, like I'm kidding. But they're damn entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, no, they're not a five seed. I'm, I'm taking it out of love for that clip just now, but they're not a five seed. But I really think that they made out as best they could, all things considered. I really do. I mean, it's getting cancer is a pretty good get, given that you had to get rid of Carmelo. You didn't have a whole lot of leverage. Otherwise, you're bringing him back. So it's a nice young team, entertaining for sure. Yeah. He was I, made for New York. Not sure how far a non-defensive plan big gets you, but okay, I'm hey. totally leaving this. Like, the Knicks are going to be bad. Chris Stapps is the but future. But they could be good bad, though. Mike, stop listening to him. Okay. Stop listening okay. to him. All right. All right? <laughs> I'm saying. Um, no, I mean, they, they look. I understand that maybe there's a little bit more opening in the East, and we know that there's some teams that got better, some teams that didn't. The Knicks aren't one of those teams. They got worse, all right? They're going to be bad. Just accept being bad, get this pick, right. and try to be back in business. Build That's your build up. for the future. They it's plan okay. to go young the whole time. Yeah, there it is. All right. that back to Cleveland. So yesterday, LeBron basically said, I'm focused on this season. I owe it to my teammates. I owe it to this franchise to try to pursue a championship this year. When I become a free agent, I'll cross that bridge when I get, get to it. More or less. So take it or leave it. This is LeBron's last season with the Cavs. I'm taking it. Uh, sorry, Cleveland. I think they're in for another heartbreak. But I think this one will feel a little differently, given that he actually won a title. It doesn't feel as unfulfilled, though it's not easy to lose that player. I think LeBron is in the market, especially if he loses in the finals again. Or possibly, don't think so, but it's a possibility. He doesn't even get to the finals. I think he'll have his eye on his next super team. So I'm going to leave it. So you calling LeBron a liar? No, I think that, look. No, I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about? Because I just want to know how authoritative you can be about his plans. But I, I believe that he doesn't know what he's doing after this year. The most calculating man in the NBA. I don't think just he has no I idea. Don't, I don't think you can have. let the decision sneak up on him. I don't think you can have oh, one what? foot out the door or one eye toward L.A. as so many people seem to believe and be fully committed to the task at hand. I don't believe he can do that. All of his boys can, you know, be free agents. I get that it's special for you and everybody else. I think he's committed and he actually is. He doesn't know, but he wants to stay. Uh, Des Bryant was asked today if he's still an elite receiver. He told the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, I know I am. Take it or leave it. Des, still an elite receiver. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it. I mean, is he is he running by people? No. Did he ever? Not that often. That wasn't his game. That wasn't his game. I mean, that play he had like last night was an elite play. Mm-hmm. Borderline. I don't know how the guy from behind called it a touchdown. <laughs> but anyway, not enough to overturn it. But that was an elite play. And he's still as, as strong as anybody. Uh, he is still as physical as anybody. He still can high point the ball and, 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 and muscle the ball from people when he needs to. So... I would say yes, he's just gotten off to a slow start because he's going against elite cornerbacks who get paid to shut him down. Yes. And a quarterback is smart enough not to force it. If you're not elite, you wouldn't draw elite attention. And for that matter, do defensive coordinators still worry about him? The answer they have yes. To. Okay, when they start. Are they better when he's on the field and off? Yes. Absolutely. When they start putting their second corner or start disrespecting him that way in terms of how they scheme for him, then we can say he's not elite. And I know the production isn't there. 
but okay. he's still somebody that people have to worry about. All right. All right. Uh, on to what was the biggest story of the weekend, the national anthem protest. The Steelers were one of three teams who remained off the field for the anthem on Sunday. Mike Tomlin said he did it so that no Steeler would have to pick a side and they would remain focused on football. Instead of avoiding a firestorm, firestorm rather, Tomlin was further entrenched in one, especially once cameras caught Alejandro Villanueva, a former Army Ranger, honoring the anthem in the tunnel. Here's Tomlin on all the controversy. These guys are football players, man. They, they don't, you know, they don't partake in politics. All they largely want to do, man, is kick that ball off and play. Uh, but things are happening around them that apply pressure to them. Um, whether they feel like they're being goaded and that's your perception, or there's another perception that those that oppose some of his statements are applying pressure to players to demonstrate. And uh, I'm opposed to both factions, to be quite honest with you. I'm an advocate for players. I'm an advocate for those who simply want to do their jobs. We just believe that there's a place and time for it, and the place and time for us has been in our free time. All right, also a statement from Jerry Richardson, one of the last statements from NFL owners. Uh, we are proud of the men we have on this football team. Our players have been active and impactful participants in making our community stronger. From the first time I stepped into an NFL locker room at Memorial Stadium in Baltimore in 1959, I've lived and seen the sports ability to bring people of all backgrounds together. Uh, politicizing the game is damaging and it takes the focus off the greatness of the game itself and those who play it. And today, Richardson and several of the Panthers team captains met to discuss social concerns and what they could do within reason, as far as he was concerned, at his home, correct? Uh, yes, that is correct. Uh, meanwhile, uh, the president continues to tweet about the NFL. Uh, the NFL has all sorts of rules and regulations. The only way out for them is to set a rule that you can't kneel during the national anthem. All right, and uh, with that, we welcome in Marcus Spears to weigh in. The president, you just heard me read the tweet. He thinks the NFL should mandate players to stand for the national anthem. Uh, but when you entered the league in 2005, teams weren't even on the field when the anthem was played. What do you think about how, how teams should respond next, given what the president has tweeted? I don't think it's one response, Jamil and Mike. I, I really believe that we have to give these players enough credit to feel how they want to feel about this issue. Some guys may want to go out and stand for the national anthem. Some guys may want to remain in the locker room, and some guys may want to kneel. I think you have to give these guys the opportunity to be individuals. And I know we talk about team, and I know they want to separate uh, po politics from sports. It's, that's not possible anymore. That's not the conversation that we're having right now. So I think I think these are men. These are individuals that have different life experiences, that have went through different things, that that look at the country differently than others do. So I think you let them be expressive in that way. As long as it's legal and as long as it's civil, you give these guys the opportunity to be individuals when it comes to their personal feelings towards all of the stuff that we're dealing with right now. Spears, ever since kneeling started ever since Kaepernick started kneeling and others joined him because look at how many people have stood that maybe started out kneeling but since stood in fact if Kaepernick won a team this year he has said or, he, or his yeah. representatives have said that he was going to stand and he was no longer going to kneel I have said that somebody's standing or kneeling does not make them more committed to the cause. Like, you can stand and be just as committed. Malcolm Jenkins is on the front lines trying to affect actual change, and he yes. raises a fist. So there are multiple ways. Kenny Steele doesn't, uh, in Miami doesn't kneel anymore. 
But the thing about it is that it struck me, and I, and I called it the Cowboys. I said they ran a play instead of a protest last night. What happens when you start to get football coaches and football people involved is they start trying to control everything because yes. everything has got to be in concert. Everything has got to be about team. Nobody can be above the individual. And now it's a bona fide distraction. It's way more of a distraction than Colin Kaepernick's detractors wanted you to believe now because you have coaches trying to eliminate anybody from having to make a choice on Sunday by keeping them off the field. And I think that's way too extreme. Now, Mike, Aaron, it's, di- yeah. it's, it's diluted. Yeah. It's diluted it's now. We're down. not talking about the origi- original reason that Colin Kaepernick took a knee. We're talking about if you should take a knee or not, if it should be banned in the NFL or not. That was never the point. And I think the frustration of Kaepernick supporters, I think the frustration that people have when this demonstration started is that why are we always off topic? I look at all, I look at a lot of television. I look at all of the news stations. I, I watch us. I watch us talk about it on shows. And when I say us, ESPN and every, all of these platforms, everybody's talking about the flag and disrespecting the anthem. And we're not talking about the reason Colin Kaepernick took a knee. So it has been watered down for a while because this discussion that we're having now about if a guy should stand, if he should kneel, has dominated what the whole right. thing originally started it, it to be It feels like about. we're in the same place we were last year. I make a Absolutely. deal with all the, all the people that say stand, I make you a deal. Will you stand with them when it comes to fighting for racial equality? Right. Will you stand with them when it comes to the cause? Uh, if, uh, if, absolutely. If we make you a deal. Uh, I also find it kind of hypocritical that all these owners are – trying to, you know, for Jerry Richardson, of all people, to say he doesn't want to politicize sports. Sports have always been political, and it starts with the owners. Well, let's talk about all that campaign money you give, since sports and politics are supposed to be separate, or how you go to uh, different governments in terms of local governments and even your state governments to get money to fund your stadiums, because that is also political, but they don't want to talk about that. They'd rather keep the focus on something that is really more about ceremony than it is about getting to the Let's play something important. We got sound of Aaron Rodgers and and what he would like to see uh, Packers fans do Thursday against Chicago. Do we have that? This is about equality. This is about unity and love and growing together as a society and starting a conversation around something that may be a little uncomfortable for people. But we got to come together and talk about these things and grow as a, as a, as a community, as a connected group of individuals in our society. And we're going to continue to show love and unity and this week we're going to ask the fans to join in as well and come together and, and show people that we can be connected and we can grow together. I wonder if that, w- if that will help because the, the interlocking arms is very benign, it's very innocent, nobody's going to have a problem with that display of unity. And, and I, and I Even could, though teams have been booed as they've done that Well, too. right, but, but I guess the idea of unity among teammates is, is not a stretch, but I wonder if that's at least a step to have the fans participate. If you're going to do something like that, have fans who may or may not know each other and may or may not be inclined to unify do so in the stands. I, I'm, I'm trying to be yeah. optimistic here, Spears. Yeah, Mike, you, you know what gets lost. What gets lost is... The whole narrative should be how can we get better? Like that that should be where we're working towards. And I and as I listen to Aaron Rodgers talk about that, that's the point. The point is that this conversation is always going to be uncomfortable because of the country that we live in. And I'm not sure that every person that doesn't agree with Colin Kaepernick is racist. No. I'm they fear the conversation. 
Everyone does. We teeter around race so much in this country. We never address it. And it ends up falling away until something else happens. And then we have to ramp it back up and have a discussion again. I think at some point, you know, and, and that's the thing about sports and the fact that it's infiltrated that, which I think is the greatest example of what we could actually look to as something tangible that we can touch, see, and feel and show the representation of different cultures, different types of people from different backgrounds coming together for a common goal. That's the point that we're trying to get to. And if we don't identify that things are bad in certain segments of this country, if we don't identify that there is an issue with black people and police, if we don't identify those things and really put our mind to getting them corrected, then we're going to be talking in circles until all of us perish. All right. Way to make the point and be on point as always. Uh, Thanks a lot, Marcus, for joining us. We begin today's DTM with Mike Conley receiving an interesting call from a very interesting person. I was just like, hello, you know, he's like, yeah, this is Jay. I was like, ooh, you know, kind of trying to put it together. Um, Long story short, he's just like, man, just come out, you know, to L.A. Whenever you're out in L.A., we'll get together. I admire you. I look, you know, I really like what you do, I hate to see that you're underrated. I mean, just going through all these things, like he actually watches me play. Like I was, that's what I'm thinking in my head. He knows a lot about. Me. <laughs> that's good stuff. You ever got an interesting call from a I'm, I'm, person of note? Yeah, and they call like you should know that it's them, and you expecting them. Yeah, yeah. You know, right. I'm, I'm sure that's how he called him. Let's go, Mike Conley, for a second. If Mike Conley is still underrated, oh, I question your ratings <laughs> and how much if basketball you watch. Him, he's not underrated. I mean, he, it can't be at this. So point. you have or have not gotten the celebrity call from somebody that you didn't expect? Absolutely, I can't think of it on top of my head. Okay. I'm not gonna name one. drop like you. I'm sure I you got gonna, one last go, week. Go ahead and name drop. I'm sure. Jesse Jackson. He did. He called and prayed with me. I'm not even playing. I did not even. Seriously, it was very kind. <laughs> Gerald McCoy said that there's it's a true. bunch of people out there that say a lot of terrible things that I know they wouldn't say to our face. He's social media tough guys. He's keyboard warriors. I love to meet them. I work at one Buccaneer place if you'd like to talk to me. I live at 551 Bunker Hill Street. Stop by anytime. I love this. You're an old guy with a messed up face <laughs> who's past his prime. You think you're the only guy with Charles Stein with a gun? Never get told. Anyway. Um, Speaking of Twitter. Great news. 140 to 280 characters, just what you need. <laughs> now people can be writing blogs. Like that's not that was I get whole, enough trouble with 140. Right? 280? I'm not gonna but, They doubled it. Not even like All I want to know is did you fit the, fix the edit button? Can you edit your tweets like once they've been out there? Um, more Twitter stuff. Cole Beasley had one catch for four yards last night against the Cardinals and some fantasy football owners. Yo, Doing people this again? weren't happy with Beasley's performance. Beasley, you know, little not safe for work. Clap back on him. That's got to be annoying. Because <laughs> uh, somebody said, "Good boy." He basically said, "I can't catch what isn't thrown." Right. If you start in Cole Beasley, you must be in a really deep league. No disrespect. <laughs> I'm three and zero in my 16 team league, first place. Three and zero. Come on, man. What you expect? Right. All right. Now, as first reported by the Wall Street Journal, Directv is offering refunds for fans who want to cancel their Sunday ticket package if they inform the company that they are doing so because of the national anthem protest. Permission to just. Speak freely. You know what? I'm sick of these guys. <laughs> I'm sick of I'm calling them tonight. That's right. I'm calling direct TV. So fired up. This is, I, I can't I, watch the rest of the game after that. No, no, I want my money. This is, I'm in on this.
If it's, if it's free, give me three. I gotta think that if you order the Sunday <laughs> ticket package, lying. You probably, probably not even upset. You got you have to be you have to be a, a football nerd to order that anyway. I have it, and yes, I do it, too. It's it, like the greatest invention ever. So why would you then call to want it back? I think, like, okay, I, I think people found found in the hustle because the ratings say otherwise in terms of last week. My favorite games. story, DTM. Of course it is. So Ric Flair. He says he has slept with roughly 10,000 women over the course of his career. Oh, that was, did you do that on purpose? Of course I did. Blair uh, regrets revealing that numbers because of his, those numbers because of his grandkids. Will Chamberlain is somewhere in heaven like, all right, dog. <laughs> Halfway there. He said 20,000, right? I believe it. You know, I always start at six. You do it for seven. Okay, so I get the seven? Go for it. All right, so do I say welcome to the best 30 minutes? What do I do? Say it with your chest. <laughs> welcome to the best 30 minutes that we have left in this show. <laughs> uh, this is not a mistake. We're here. Uh, we have I don't a- know. Some people said it is. <laughs> we have a lot of top <laughs> stories to cover for you, starting with Odell Beckham Jr. All right, after his urinating dog celebration against the Eagles on Sunday, which resulted in an unsportsmanlike conduct flag, Odell Beckham Jr. seemed pretty unapolog- unapologetic rather about his actions. Uh, his quarterback, Eli Manning, seemed to downplay it today during Giants' availability, but owner John Mayer didn't take Odell's actions lightly. In an email to the New York Post, Mayer said, I am very unhappy with Odell's behavior on Sunday, and we intend to deal with it internally. What did you think of we, we dealt with this earlier. We did. In our normal hour, and you got so upset because I dared say that this was not that big of a deal and, and, and Mara's comments may have seemed a little too heavy-handed, which, mm-hmm. look, he can lay down his hands how he wants. He's the owner of the New York Giants and represents their brand. All I'm saying about this situation is, yes, was he doing a little too much, as we like to say around here? Absolutely. But was I offended by what he did? No. Was it, is that was it obscene? No, I'm saying it, it, was, it got a penalty. And that's what Eli is talking about. You can't incur penalties no matter what they are, whether they're unsportsmanlike conduct, unnecessary roughness, whatever it is. Okay, excessive celebration in a league that's relaxing in celebration rules, you can't put your team in a bad position. That penalty didn't cost him the game. But all I'm saying about Odell is I think we take a lot of really little molehills and try to make him in the mountains when it come to him, comes to him and act like, He's somebody that they can't trust. That they, they can't. I'm reading columnists in New York saying they got about a thing twice about giving him a mega contract. He's getting in the end zone. He's your best player. You unfortunately have to take his growing pains with the rest of his package, which is pretty daggone good. Yeah, I, I wouldn't take it as, and I hope you understood this, I wouldn't take it as so far as to say, oh, don't give Odell whatever the market dictates that he, he gets. If it's $100 million, it's $100 million. Whatever he whatever contract the Giants decide to sign him to, he's earned. What I am saying is that I understand Mayor being frustrated because they keep having these conversations with him over and over. And so at some point, you're just like, hey, man, can we... Can, can you just get it? Can you just understand the position you're in, the limelight you're in, and just act a little more professional? You I don't can think have that's both. acting You can make much. amazing catches. And I don't have to take any extra. I'm saying just you can make amazing catches. You can make amazing catches and not incur penalties. I hear Correct. you. But once upon a time, Randy Moss was mooning the, the crowd at Lambeau. Once upon a time, T.O. was pulling out Sharpies. And we're, we're pounding the table for them to be in you the Hall of Fame. Do I give you that just because everybody's doing it? No, that's, not, do it that's not what I'm saying. You love to have them on the team. Yes, yeah. he can do better, but they can't do better than him. That's all I'm saying. Wode says Dwayne Wade plans on signing with the Cavs once he clears waivers on Wednesday. Eligible for $2.3 million. The veterans minimum for this year turns with sources say to which he has agreed. Uh, how much better does he make the Cavs? 
Uh, I think it makes them good enough for me to feel more comfortable with them coming out of the East. I was already there with LeBron, but there was a part of me that was a little hesitant, like, ooh. Uh, and I basically gave in to the LeBron factor, which I'm certainly not apologizing for. Uh, however, that being said, does it would I now pick them to win it all? No. And I think close is relative because for as much depth as they have now, better depth. Yes. I don't I think what they give up defensively is is going to be a problem. I had a few angry Celtics fans, which I know is redundant, <laughs> angry Celtics fans <laughs> wondering how I could uh, overlook the different players on the Cavs roster. Well, first of all, they return a lot of the guys that they've had mm-hmm. the last several years. Number one, most of most of their core Kyrie aside. Secondly, they got some veteran guys that I think will be able to fit in and who have more proven track records than some of the younger Celtics who now have to step up and carry more than they're accustomed to. So when you look at the Cavs versus the Celtics, I I like the Cavs even more to come out of these. I already did because of LeBron and getting IT back in January, presumably healthy, and the presence of Jay Crowder on the defensive end. But if you look at the finals, they lost it when LeBron went to the bench, okay? And now they have a lot of depth to... Keep up with the Warriors. Maybe not stop them on the defensive end. I don't know that anybody can for a full game, but they can. They can. They have firepower now. They have a lot of guys that can get them baskets that they couldn't get when LeBron went to the bench. They got a lot of playmaking type guys on their team. Well, what I worry about is our for what all they added offensively, experience wise, that they open themselves up to even more defensive. Not when you add Jay lapses. Crowder. No, not with Jay Crowder for sure. But you also add it. Not. Known as a great defender and others. All right, major story in college basketball. Assistant coaches at Arizona, Auburn, USC, and Oklahoma State, along with two Adidas executives, were among 10 arrested on federal corruption charges earlier today. Those four coaches, which include former NBA player Chuck Person, charged with taking bribes to steer NBA-bound players to certain financial advisors and agents. Louisville also confirmed that it is a subject of the investigation, apparently regarding the recruitment of Brian Bowen. Now, this appears... Uh, to be an ongoing investigation. Here's Rick Pitino saying that these allegations come as a complete shock to me. If true, I agree with the U.S. Attorney's Office that these third-party schemes initiated by a few bad actors operated to commit a fraud on the impacted universities and their basketball programs, including the University of Louisville. Our fans and supporters deserve better, and I'm committed to taking whatever steps are needed to ensure those responsible are held accountable. Joined now by Seth Greenberg. Seth, what's your uh, reaction to this story? Well, it's a really sad day for college basketball if you think about it. And you think about the depth of this investigation. This is just the tip of the iceberg. Because, you know, federal investigations, once they start those interview processes, one, they know the answers to the questions. Mm-hmm. Number two is they're going to create some type of deals to gain more information as they chop down this tree and try to get to the top. Now, Louisville situation to me is... Whether Rick Pitino was involved or not, there's an accountability. There's a head coach's accountability to everything that goes on Especially in your program. Especially given how he was able to distance himself with the previous scandal. Exactly. So, I mean, he has an accountability. There's no doubt about it. Now, every head coach in America right now is meeting with his staff. Every head coach in America is meeting with his staff, an associate athletic director, and a member of compliance. All right? And he's basically saying, all right, where are we? All right? Is there anything I need to know? Because a lot of times assistant coaches are hired to get players. And to get players, you want to develop relationships. Now, if you step over the line in terms of those relationships, that's where the problem comes. Now, look, it's a really hard situation. Sometimes an assistant coach wants to keep things off the head coach's plate. Right. So, look, I, don't, you know, I want a distance coach from this. I'm just going to take care of this. So that conversation is happening all over the country today. And I don't think this is the end of it. Yeah. But I do think that if 
what has been accused is verified. And most times, let's face it, when the feds are involved, 93% conviction rate. I, it, it would be hard for Rick. He can talk about distancing himself and doing the right thing and cooperating. It would be hard for him, in my opinion, to survive a second scandal. A second yeah. scandal. Yeah. And hey, he's real, a guy that we've always looked up to. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to say that. Hey, real quick to your point about, uh, you know, the feds having the answers to the questions. So at today's news conference, an FBI spokesman, uh, he had this message for college basketball. He said, we have your playbook. The investigation is ongoing. If you are involved in this, call us. It will be better for you to call us than for us to call you. Yeah, and Seth, you talked about how every college coach right now is having a meeting trying to figure out what they don't know, even though I have a really hard time believing that some of them don't know. This is being characterized as some kind of day of reckoning for college basketball, that this is going to be some kind of turning point for the sport. I mean, because what the, what the feds have uncovered, we've all known is, has been there. It's been the worst kept secret in the world. It's just the NCAA never had subpoena power. So going forward, how do you think this changes how business is done in college hoops? Well, it's interesting to me because you, know, you talk about the business in college hoops. Look, look everyone knows with the one and done mentality, a business manager, an agent, to develop a relationship with a prospect, what do you do? You go through the grassroots system because those are the guys that have the best relationships with these prospects. It's a seven-month investment because the best players, the one-and-done mentality, these players are only on campus for seven months. So if I invest $100,000 in you, Michael, I'm going to get a return on that investment in seven months. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the root of the problem. So I think we've got to take a really careful look at what is, all, what is one and done all about and the amateurism issue. Like, I have a solution to part of the problem. Why do the NBA teams, like they do in Europe, have club teams? Right? So now if, you, if you're a great player at 14, I can sign you. Crispus Puzingis, when did he sign? Was he 15 or 16? Mm-hmm. I can sign you. I can put you in our system. We'll continue to help you with your education. You're part of soccer something. Clubs. Yeah. Right? Soccer Worldwide clubs. football clubs. Yeah, you grow with that organization. And then if you don't make it, at least you are part of something. You have something to go back to. That is a potentially a solution to the problem because... Right now, we have a problem, and this is going to hang over college basketball all season because this is not a quick fix. They don't have all the answers yet, and this isn't a one, two, or three-week investigation. All right, This is an ongoing investigation, and I think it's going to be a really difficult year for college basketball not knowing like, who's eligible, who's not eligible. And then the other thing is let's not just give the players a pass because in the culture of the game today, college basketball – all right, the players, their parents, their handlers, uh, the people that are their spokespeople are not afraid to ask and put people in position to have to make choices. But that gets back to your point about wanting a different system. The reason they're asking is because they're cut out of the pie altogether. So of all the characters in this, frankly, I blame them the least um, just because what the system is. Well, yeah. like when, you cut, when you cut them out... All you're doing is making it easier for them but to how ask. How many guys are we really talking about? We, we're probably talking about some of the more elite prospects. We're talking about a lot of three guys. or four guys a year. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, and again, we might have a disagreement on, on cutting them out in terms of the value of an education, the value of experience, the marketing that an institution gives a student athlete who's playing uh, before he enrolls you know, in his MBA career. It is a big business. I mean, that's the reality. And and whether there is a synergy right now between the money managers, because they see there's a return on their investment, the agent, and obviously now, uh, to some extent, the shoe companies. All right. All right, man. We appreciate the knowledge. Thank you very much. 
All right, so earlier today, 76ers head coach Brett Brown said, our goal is to make the playoffs. Well, you will make the playoffs. <laughs> Those hopes, of course, rest on Philly's young core. Ben Simmons, Markel Fultz, Joel Embiid. Who flashes, he flashed a lot of greatness in limited minutes last season. Embiid has had a busy offseason, though, attending last Sunday's Eagles opener against the Giants, the home opener against the Giants, home run derby in Miami, uh, and the ESPYs in July. Hung out with Carl Anthony Towns, and he hung out with us earlier. All right, and joining us now, Joel Embiid from the 76ers. Uh, Joel, we'll start with the most pressing question concerning you. How's your health right now? I know you haven't been cleared for five-on-five drills yet. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, you know, I've been walking out all summer, and, uh, you know, just walking on my body, trying to make sure that I'm ready for the season, I'm ready for 82 games, and hopefully postseason too, but I'm feeling good, you know. Uh, no, I haven't been clear for 5-on-5, five five, but uh, the results have been pretty good, and, you know, the scans uh, since I had the surgery, I've looked extremely uh, good, so, you know, I'm just on the road to recovery, and I just got to follow the plan and trust the process. <laughs> got to sneak that in there. Yeah, you, you definitely have a lot of new elements that a lot of people are excited about, so much so that I think most people predict that you all will make the playoffs this season. So how do you feel about the increased expectations on the team this season? No, I love it. I love expectation. I love the pressure. You know, that's why I try I try into and uh, like I said, I'm excited. You know, we got a new group of guys. We got we got to learn how to play together, and it's gonna take uh, a while, I think. Um, and then our first couple of games are extremely tough. The schedule is tough, but that's that's like I said, that's what I travel into, and uh, I'm I'm just excited, and it's gonna be fun. I can't wait to play with Marquette, which I like a lot, Ben, and I finally got a. Uh, JJ, who, who I always wanted someone that can uh, knock down a lot of shots, and so that means less double teams. And you know, Ben is going to be a great addition, Marquette too. And you know, it's really, I don't know if if it's ever happened, but uh, having two number one picks uh, on the same team, being rookies, uh, he's exciting. So uh, we, like I said, it's going to be fun. Yeah, you know, I'm glad you said that about giving your opinion when, when you feel the need to because Brian Colangelo, he called your recovery program a hyper-conservative progression. Do you ever get frustrated at how conservative the organization is being with you? Uh, I don't get frustrated because they care about myself. I, I might get frustrated because I'm competitive. I want to play. I want to win. I want to be on the floor. I want to be the leader, uh, but... We're thinking about long term, and uh, like Brian said, we just gotta, we just gotta like follow the plan. There's a plan in place, and uh, uh, we just gotta follow. It. Uh, Joel, I think you've noticed there have been some changes to the Eastern Conference. You have Kyrie uh, now in Boston. Obviously, Melo is going to OKC. Uh, so when you look at the landscape now in the East, does that give you even more confidence about where Philadelphia can finish this season? Uh, yeah, definitely. You know, uh, more playoff spots are opening, and uh, like some all stars are gone, some some of them are uh, got into the conference. So with Boston adding uh, 
Haywood, um, but it's exciting. We have more chances to go. And But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm competitive. I want to beat anybody. I want to beat the Golden State Warriors because they're the champs, and I want to go up against anybody and just uh, kill them. So um, it doesn't change anything. We're just going to go out there and do our thing. We talked a lot about your health. There's certainly no limits on your social media game. That's extremely healthy. Um, what's, what's been your favorite post? Ours was the, the burner Twitter yeah. post to KD <laughs> after that whole thing. What's been the post that even made you laugh, that you're the most proud of, that you got the biggest kick out of? Oh, man. I don't know because uh, uh, this might sound funny, but every time I tweet uh, something, I think I have the best laugh out of anybody because I before I even tweeted I just started laughing <laughs> for like a couple of minutes and then I'm like what am I even doing like and then I just do it uh, anyways but uh, I thought the, the KD one was pretty good obviously it's a joke and uh, everything about the process is pretty good I think the one about um, me saying that the playoff spots were opening after the Paul George trade um, was pretty good, too. You definitely have a greatest hits, I think, a tweet set at this point. Well, keep up the fun. I know uh, this season it'll be a little bit different with uh, all you have to do on the court, but definitely keep us entertained on Twitter. We, uh, we appreciate it. We need content. <laughs> all right, thank you. All right, man. All right, thanks to Chelsea Gray's buzzer beater with two seconds left. Uh, the Sparks head into game two of the best of five series against the Lynx with the 1 0 series lead. Although I guess it's not a buzzer beat if it's two seconds left. <laughs> I will have that for you tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2. It's an amazing shot, though. Also streaming live on the ESPN app. Now, moments before, Jake Elliott uh, nailed his 61 yard game winning field goal. Eagles quarterback Carson Wentz said, I'll give him my game check if he makes this. Of course, he made it. And by the way, Carson Wentz makes 98 grand a game. Should he give it to him? Uh, did he say it to him? See, he's, but it's on. Did he? It's NFL on. Films has it. We I, couldn't it, play it, but they have it. I think it was a figure of speech. Mike. Look, I, mean, I don't look. I, it's not my ninety-eight thousand dollars. Is it because so once gonna, you heard the figure, you were just like, "Ooh." It's not my money. I mean, hey, I, man. If, if he says it to him in the huddle, it's like, "Hey, if you make this, I give you my game." So check, it's not a, that's a promise. He if he said to this him. to no one in particular, he said then, it out loud. Everybody caught it. It's gonna be. It's already. It's been played over and over. All the type of cat that he might, he might, he would just do it. And that was a priceless moment. He would do it because that goes on his one loss record as a starter. Yes. <laughs> so he made. Right. So Carson's he's a quarterback in the NFL. One that people grand? think is a franchise guy. He'll be able to make that money back. NFL teams too. Defensive tackle Mean Joe Green. Played for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yvonne. NFL team six. Running back Marcus Allen. Anupama. Um, what is uh, Colorado Rockies? No, sorry. Dennis or Yvonne? Who are the Los Angeles Raiders? You know, he's so smug. But it's not a little bubble, though. We think they should know this. The Rockies answer. Watch it. They're, they're, they're rocket scientists. That was a bad answer. All right. All right. Uh, great highlight. <laughs> Somewhat from the Cubs Cardinals game last night. Second inning, Addison Russell buried into, barreled rather, excuse me, into the crowd, going for a foul ball. Spilled the nachos. Loaded nachos, too. 
Could you have ever imagined that this would be the outcome of just coming to see your Cardinals play? I was just coming to the Cardinals game to catch a foul ball. <laughs> and I caught a Russell. Well, actually, my girlfriend caught a Russell. I was uh, worried about my nachos, but I tried to reconcile with after the nachos were saved. So, uh, Mike, uh, did you love this or nacho kind of story? You know I love nachos. <laughs> Every Thursday here at the ESPN Cafe. <laughs> For if you're going to lose them and you get a selfie out of the deal, it's worth it. Yeah, worth no, it. I, yeah. I, I, that's a memorable fan. Lots experience. of guac, sour cream. Yeah, we know there's salsa. First in your draft. Full pork. All right, uh, Aaron Hicks, he robbed Wilson Ramos with his bases loaded catch. Wow. Uh, first game back for Hicks since suffering a strained oblique on September 2nd. Not bad. That is definitely not, not bad. bad. All good, in fact. That's just the first inning. What's the score of that game? Oh, it's just getting started. Okay. Yeah, just getting started out there. All right, before we call it a day, tell the people about a good day. All right, uh, Mavericks owner Mark Cuban, he loaned guard J.J. Barea. The team's playing to transport food, water, and supplies to his native Puerto Rico to aid in the Hurricane Maria recovery. That's Very awesome. important. Uh, Barea will return to the Mavs tonight with his mother and grandmother after missing the first day of training camp. Our thoughts and prayers with Puerto Rico. Uh, do what you can to help that. For sure those people out. We'll see you later on. More Sports Center's next. We'll see you tomorrow.